Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom she has chosen as her heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. She sees all humankind. From where she sits enthroned, she watches all the inhabitants of the earth. She who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. A war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear her, on those who hope in her steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. She is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in her because we trust in her holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy upon humankind. Those to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that they lack nothing of all that they desire. Yet God does not enable them to enjoy these things but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous ill. A man may beget a hundred children and live many years, but however many are the days of his years, if he does not enjoy life's good things or has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes into vanity and goes into darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Then the high priest asked him, Are these things so? And Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The glory of God appeared to our ancestor Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and go to the land that I will show you. Then he left the country of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After his father died, God had him move from there to this country in which we are now living. He did not give him any of it as a heritage, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as his possession and to his descendants after him even though he had no child. And God spoke in these terms that his descendants would be resident aliens in a country belonging to others, who would enslave them and mistreat them during four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, 
and Jacob of the Twelve Patriarchs. Good morning and welcome to the ninth Friday after Pentecost. This morning's readings, uh, we have Ecclesiastes and Acts, as well as the another, a second reading of, from Psalm 33. But this morning is also another feast day for a soldier saint. And if you look this up, um, it'll be different. His name is Franz Jagerstadter. And Franz um, was just recently made a saint. Um, and I hadn't known... <clears throat> I hadn't known until recently exactly how much time he'd spent in the military. Um, but Franz Jagerstadter was um, the illegitimate child of a chambermaid and a farmer. He was Austrian. Um, he, like a lot of young men, was known for rather rambunctious youth, um, just like Francis and Ignatius and other soldier saints. Um, and his father died when he was young in World War I. And when World War II came around, by this time he had fathered uh, his own child out of wedlock, but had also married um, and would eventually uh, have three daughters with his very religious wife, um, whose name, I can't remember her name. Um, anyway, so he's got this checkered past and... Because his wife is so religious, he begins kind of reading up on the faith and eventually or, uh, joins the Third Order of the Franciscans, a lay order, um, becomes uh, an acolyte, he's Catholic, um, serves in his parish priest every Sunday. And I had always thought that he had just rejected military service outright. Um, as an Austrian, um, when the Nazis came into Austria, he was apparently offered the position of mayor of his town, and he said no. He was the only person to vote against, um, essentially, the occupation. Um, this went unreported for a while because the town uh, authorities reported that um, they had voted unanimously for support of the Nazi regime, um, where, in fact, we know that Franz voted against it, and he was openly anti-Nazi. Despite all this, he was um, he was deferred several times from military service. He was in his early 30s. Um, but he eventually was conscripted, and I didn't know this. I didn't know he actually served in the military. He did his training um, for uh, several months, and then he returned back home uh, to um, Radegard, St. Radegard or something like that. Um, and because he was a farmer, that's why they exempted him from active service, but he did get his training. Um, he refused to take the loyalty oath to Hitler. So he's kind of, he's not an outright pacifist because he allows himself to go into military service, be trained as you know a Nazi soldier. Um, and then because he's not, um, because he's not cooperative and because he sees that um, Hitler is suppressing the church and all these other things, that opposition begins to harden. Um, he talks with his bishop about refusing military service or leaving military service. His bishop is not supportive and he's disappointed that the church won't confront the Nazis uh, and Hitler. 
Um, but he, he learns of um, a priest, a local priest, um, Franz Reinsich, um, who had been executed because he refused to take the loyalty oath as well. And he decides that that's, that's what he wants. Um, this death wish, if you can call it that, is again common in the martyrs. Um, they don't they don't shy away from death, um, but because this is such a recent um, uh, biography, we know like he actually wanted this. It's not like somebody was trying to, you know, sensationalize his life. Um, he he had read this story, and like others before him, it's the stories of other people that inspire, and so he decides eventually to overtly refuse, become a conscientious objector. Um, and he offers to serve as a paramedic, but, and they don't, they don't allow it. So he's locked up. He's convicted of undermining military morale. And he's sentenced to death, um, I thought by hanging, but apparently it was by guillotine. And while he's in, while he's imprisoned, he speaks with a, a priest who tries to dissuade him. So everybody at every turn is telling him, look, you know, just stay alive. You've got a, a wife, you've got three daughters. Um, you know, you don't need to do this. And Franz insisted. He continues to insist all the way to the end. Um, and uh, we didn't really know about his life until the 60s when uh, the first biography was written about him uh, by a man named Gordon Zond. And so Franz, um, he was in fact a soldier saint. He, he did serve in the military. He had a change of heart, and um, it was very tied to his own context and the Nazi regime and what they were doing with eugenics and, and the final solution. Um, he he uh, decided to, you know, lay down his, his arms um, and refuse to take the oath and everything else. Um, and he was martyred for it. He wasn't declared a martyr until very recently, I want to say in the 20-teens. Um, it was Pope Benedict XV, in fact, who declared him a martyr and began the process for canonization. Um, and uh, Benedict, it, this is interesting, Benedict is a German, was born German, and he actually um, refused to join the Hitler uh, he, he refused to join the army, but he did, I think, serve in the Hitler Youth. Um, and he was obviously younger than Franz. But this German, you know, deserter who becomes Pope beatifies this um, Austrian uh, conscientious objector. Um, I, I want to say it was... Oh, no, 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 it was 2007 when Benedict um, declared him a martyr and started the process and it was very quick he was made uh, he was beatified in October of that same year so it was June that he was declared a martyr October he was um, beatified and officially his feast day is not the day he died the day he died and was executed was in fact August 9th 1943 um, but when he became a saint the Catholic Church decided that the day you know it the feast day, I think, was taken by somebody else who's important. So they said, well, we'll do it on the day of his christening on May 21st. And he was christened as an adult. Um, he, you know, this is 
uh, after he, he's married. Um, and there's uh, documentaries and books, but the newest Terrence Malick film, um, he's the same one who did uh, Tree of Life, Thin Red Line, one of my favorite um, movies about war, The Thin Red Line. Um, Terrence Malick, is, his next film will, will follow the story of Franz Jagerstadter, who's a soldier saint who um, was a little rough around the edges. He had an upbringing that was interesting, um, but that didn't stop him from uh, following the life of faith and um, picking up his cross and following Jesus all the way to the point of death. Um, he's an inspiration to many, even though at the time his story was suppressed. Um, and uh, it's it's a reminder that saints don't have to be perfect. They just have to be um, humble and obedient. And I think that Franz's story is a, a wonderful reminder of that. Prayer of Franz Jägerstadter, distributed by the Diocese of Linz in Austria. Lord Jesus Christ, you filled your servant Franz Jägerstadter with a deep love for you, his family, and all people. During a time of contempt for God and humankind, you bestowed on him unerring discernment and integrity. In faith, he followed his conscience and said a decisive no to the Nazi regime and unjust war. Thus, he sacrificed his life. We pray that you may glorify your servant Franz so that many people may be encouraged by him and grow in love for you and all people. May his example shine out in our time and may you grant all people the strength to stand up for justice, peace, and human dignity. For yours is the glory and honor with, your, with the Father and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>